0: General
1: nerdery. In the world of comic book superheroes, there are thought to be the big two, Marvel and DC. But in the '90s, there was created a third way, a valiant way. I <laughs> was, was pretty good. I was pretty good. I don't know. I just, I was like, how the hell do I do an intro about a bunch of like C-list superheroes other than, oh my god, I'm so excited.
0: I know, right? Uh, this is. <laughs> Oh, Valiant! Yeah, I had no idea how we were going to intro Valiant, so that that was yeah, I, ten I, times better I still don't than know anything. How, I just did it,
1: so <laughs>
0: ten times better uh, than anything I was about to
1: come up with. So, anyways, welcome to General Nerdery. We're your generals of Nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler, and uh, we're here to talk about things that we like. This is a podcast about liking things, and today we will be discussing Valiant, which is a comic book company that we both very much like and specifically we're going to talk about it through the world of the uh, web series internet (laughs) series yeah internet web series ninjack versus the valiant universe Um, which i have thoughts on i we will get to that
0: i'm so happy that it exists but we'll get to that (laughs) uh so let's see uh are we going to start with ingesting
1: yeah, let's go with ingesting. All right, what, what, ha- what have you been... What have I been ingesting? Okay, so... What have you been ingesting? You sound so surprised, like, we haven't done this every, like, episode. <laughs> uh, let's
0: see. So, like the other week, one of the things I'm going to hold off to also be my uh, my recommendation at the end. Absolutely. Oh, and uh, we should say that, like, we're actually recording on a different day than normal. Uh, so... I'm actually going to do my what I was ingesting mostly last week if we would have recorded on our normal day, because the other big thing that I've been ingesting I didn't discover until, like, two nights ago. So I'll save that yeah, for Yeah, we Monday. want to
1: save that for... Which, for you guys, is a week from now. Uh, welcome to the fancy world of podcasting. Right. Anyways, what have you been listening to last week, this week, recently? However you want to put it.
0: Uh, so the big thing... Uh, in the time period in which we were talking about uh, was Grant Morrison's Seven Soldiers of Victory.
1: Oh, you told me you were going to start that. Oh, I'm so excited. What did you think?
0: I think I loved it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is peak early 2000s Grant Morrison. It makes me so happy.
0: It is extremely heady. They do a lot of... There's a lot of really neat things. Um, I don't I don't even know how to describe it, though. Like, I've been trying to tell a couple people about this series, and I end up saying something, and they're like, well, what the fuck? And I'm like, well, Grant Morrison. And they're
1: like, what? And they're like, that doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Okay, so a quick bit of background here, if you don't mind me jumping.
0: Oh, no, do it. You you can probably explain this better than I can, even though I just got done reading it. (laughs)
1: The Seven Soldiers of Victory is a ongoing super team tracing back to the Golden Age. Uh, it often included... It had a lot of variable characters. Uh, the Star-Spangled Kid and Stripesy, who are going to be new versions of in the new Stargirl series that launches soon, are were in it. The Crimson Avenger and his sidekick that was a super... I don't remember the character's name, but it was a super racist Asian character because it was hmm The 40s. Another version had Batgirl and Dead Man in it. It's this team that'll pop up the, uh, throughout time, and they were important, but no one's really sure why they're important. A lot of their stories, like, ha- ended with them, their memory being wiped out of existence kind of thing. Um, and Grant Morrison, from what I understand, kind of wanted to play with that. He wanted to do a story of a super team that wasn't a traditional super team. I also assumed they needed to launch a Seven Soldiers book so they could keep the copyright to the name Seven Soldiers of Victory.
0: <laughs> I could see that.
1: It's why, a, it's why a lot of D-List characters get random miniseries out of nowhere, which is great because you end up with some of your best books that way. Look, um, I, I think saying D-List might be generous for some of the characters that show
0: up when Grant Morrison gets his hands on Seven Soldiers.
1: Yes, but it's the same reason, for example, Plastic Man got a series recently, and that one was amazing, and everyone should read it, and I think I recommended it in an early episode. Uh, And this was a clever way, because they got to do it with a bunch of characters. They did seven miniseries that had, like, the same overarching villain, and had moments where they crossed over, but there's no big, like, all the seven soldiers end up working together.
0: Uh, and so that's the thing. So it's a super team that never meets. There are crossovers. That doesn't mean the characters crossover.
1: Yeah, you'll like see stuff in the backgrounds. Uh, there were several updated versions of characters because instead of. Oh, and each one they tried to do a kind of different genre with. Yeah. Uh, they, they had Zatanna, who is probably the biggest name of the group she's appeared in a couple tv shows she's a long-standing justice league member she would be my assemble like if we made a justice league dark
0: oh yeah we, Zatanna has to be in it she
1: would be my basis yeah she's uh, i would work everyone around her there was uh created for this frankenstein who they did not touch again after this series for several years until they created my favorite book of the new 52 frankenstein of of Shade. Shade. oh my god it's so good <laughs> They did Clarion the Witch Boy, which was a weird Jack Kirby creation.
0: And this was we, an even weirder version of Clarion than I was familiar with.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we both love Clarion the Witch Boy. I've loved him since Young Justice. Uh, the comic book series, you named your cat after. Yeah, my cat is named Teekle Which is Clarion's familiar. Let's see, who else was there? There was the, uh, the Bulleteer? Bulleteer, Yep. Who is a recreation of Bullet Man and Bullet Girl, which are a bunch of really bad characters? They are oh, and terrible. That story <laughs> is fucked up, and it's weirdly sexualized. And they did he did that on purpose. Yeah,
0: it, the sexualization to, plays into the story in a big way.
1: He wanted to comment on the tendency to sexualize characters in comic books. And I don't know if it worked or not, or if he just made a character, like, instead of a commentary, he just made a weirdly sexualized comic No, book.
0: I think it worked. Uh, I don't know how long it's been since you've read it, but it's it's uh, still really fresh for time. me, and I think he did a really good job. Uh, Sweet. I don't know if he did a good job in establishing a point, but in establishing the creepiness of some of the aspects of it, he did an amazing job. So.
1: Okay, so let's see. We have Zatanna, Clarion, Bulleteer. Uh, Manhattan Guardian. That's the one. Guardian is a character that has existed forever. He was created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby originally. Uh, he also used a shield. He had like a hard hat based costume. He was not the strongest character ever, but there's something kind of compelling about him and he's stuck around off and on forever. This was a version where he was the, uh, he was like the mascot. He's of a,
0: a newspaper superhero. He yeah. works for the Manhattan Guardian which is the newspaper and instead of being a front-line reporter he's a frontline superhero where everything he's doing is basically being documented uh to be uh got it, it it's intimated that through the headlines that they're actually using and stuff that it's almost a form of yellow journalism but
1: it was a way to talk about How much, for example, Clark Kent uh, reported on Superman or Peter Parker makes his living selling pictures of Spider-Man that that is actually wildly unethical by most standards of journalism outside of like gonzo journalism of Hunter S. Thompson.
0: Um, That is also one of my favorite storylines from this, though, because the subway pirates are amazing.
1: It is awesome. And yes, it has subway pirates Which is somewhat reminiscent of Toshers from the Victorian era, which were people that just roamed the sewers finding stuff (laughs) and making a living off what they found in the sewers. You know, um, rings that got washed down the drain, or money that got dropped, or whatever you could find in the shit.
0: Yeah. And then uh, the Shiloh Norman Mr. Miracle.
1: Oh, yeah, which is... The third? Has always been a little confusing to me. Mr. Miracle is a character I like, but have never had a whole lot of time to delve into. Mm -hmm. Mr. Miracle had a earthbound inspiration who also called himself Mr. Miracle. I'm not sure how the first two goes. There's an old guy that Simon Free looked up to. There is Simon Free, a.k.a. Mr. Miracle, a member of the New Gods, who was the son of the High Father, who is like Dark Side's good guy equivalent? Who was traded to Orion or to um, Dark Side as a like peace thing? Dark Side traded his son to the High Father. The High Father traded his son to Dark Side. Hmm. Orion, Dark Side's son, went and lived on New Genesis and got to live a really wonderful life and learn how to not be an asshole. <laughs> and Mr. Miracle mostly just got tortured. Right. Uh, and turned into the world's greatest escape artist because they couldn't beat him. They kept trying to like trap him, force him to, you know, basically be a good member of dark sides, forces on apocalypse. And he wouldn't do it. And he eventually escapes apocalypse, becomes a escape artist and hangs out on earth, making a living, doing Weird stunts with Big Barda (laughs) It's great, I love Mr. Miracle And then he at one point takes A Protégé And you told me his name and I have already forgotten it Uh, Shiloh Norman Shiloh Norman Who is going to take over as Mr. Miracle But it never really goes anywhere in the original stories Because Scott Free is for the most part Significantly more interesting and then Grant Morrison decided he was going to make Shiloh Norman the interesting Mr. Miracle. And he spent a couple years, including Seven Soldiers, trying really hard to make that happen.
0: Honestly, he was kind of a cool Mr. Miracle.
1: He made some really good books there. The biggest problem is it lacked the iconic nature of, you know, the uh, escaped apocalypse, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. He was guy who was trained by amazing man who escaped apocalypse yada 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 and everyone's like well i want to hear about that guy instead right but shiloh norman's also as i said very good very interesting and then the big villain is a alien or some kind of other species called the sheeta
0: Ooh, so i can explain this
1: please do i never quite understood that
0: the sheeta aren't alien the sheeta are us The Shida is the last human empire in the universe from so far in the future that all other resources have been uh, expended already. And the only way for them to survive and to continue their empire is to occasionally make trips back in time and harvest all of the good physical and mental things from a society. Uh, And then they only leave
1: them enough so that they can start to rebuild. That is some classic Grant Morrison bullshit right there. <laughs> um, that is... I don't know if any of that made sense, because it turns out that most Grant Morrison doesn't actually make much sense. Oh, Grant Morrison really likes drugs. Yeah. Uh, he wrote Doom Patrol, the, the greatest... I've never been able to read other Doom Patrol other than Grant Morrison's, because his was just so good, which is unfortunate, because there's a lot of really good Doom Patrol. And... This is back in the 80s and his writing process was to stay up all night taking speed watching Czech surrealist films and just seeing what came out of this while well, writing comic books.
0: I I love listening kind of to sounds Grant,
1: Grant Morrison's whole career. Yeah,
0: I love listening <laughs> to Grant Morrison interviews uh, partially just because of his his wonderful wonderful Scottish accent. But he is very candid about his drug use, and he tells some really, really wild stories of uh, hallucinating, meeting uh, voodoo snake gods and shit like that, or not snakes, scorpion gods, and pissing them off
1: and shit. Morrison is very good at pissing people off. I think he's brilliant. I think when he his writing is not working, it doesn't work at all because he likes drugs. Like, I don't think there's a <laughs> one... yeah. I don't think there's a whole lot of in between. I have tried his X Men run. On like six different occasions and I never, I never finished the first volume, the first storyline. Like it's just, I hate that book. Mm -hmm. But some of his other, his Batman run is one of the best Batman runs I've ever read. It's the weirdest Batman run I've ever read. His Justice League run is amazing. We've talked about Animal Man and Doom Patrol already before. He is, he's either really good or really bad. And fittingly, it seems like people either really like him or really hate him. And that that means people like fans of his work, and people who have worked with him. <laughs> Apparently, he's kind of divisive amongst other comic creators. Partly because for a while at DC, he was the king bitch. Like, what he said goes. So a lot of people... Some people lost jobs because grant morrison decided he wanted to do that job and dc's upper ranks were like oh guess grant's doing it now and we're like hey right multiversity is a book that he wrote that is similar to seven soldiers there's very little there's a bunch of connective tissue but they're a bunch of standalone stories and it's insane and i love it love it
0: yeah seven soldiers um i Fucking, Way off topic. No, it's fine, because it's it's a hard one. You have to get into it, because you can't just say Seven Soldiers of Victory, or or even just list off like the characters and expect people to know what the fuck is going on.
1: <laughs> I would really love to do an episode on Seven Soldiers, and I might order some copies of it so we can look into doing that. But I'm not even sure how we would go about that. That, that one is just strange.
0: Yeah, no, um, I don't know yet either although i would also be interested in doing something like that but it is i mean like i said it's heady there's a part where zatanna's uh moving a group of people through dimensions and she's literally moving them through dimensions um what is it like uh, modern super advanced physics like it doesn't work unless at least 11 dimensions exist And it's, yeah. And it's something like at least 11, something like that. But most of them are too tiny to be, um, of any import to anybody ever, unless you're actually working with that shit. So when she's moving them through dimensions, she's moving them through, um, visualizations of different mathematical concepts. Yeah, that book's fucking weird. That's, all.
1: That's
0: um. It's insane. <sighs>
1: okay. Anything else that you've read this week that you want to talk about,
0: or I, the only other big thing is is my recommendation at the end. So, oh,
1: cool. uh,
0: other than just giving you the update that I have, uh, I'm like two episodes into season four of Letterkenny now. So, Not, oh man, you've been pr- pouring through. Yeah, and actually, I I I rewatch. You're still enjoying it. Yeah, I'm still enjoying it. Uh, Actually, ended up rewatching the entire first season again because I got my girlfriend into it too. So
1: perfect. Uh, I've seen it several times. It's fast paced enough that I'll pick stuff up. uh,
0: I am starting to run into some things that I kind of knew were going to happen because all sitcoms do them. That I'm not liking as much, but like it's already becoming evident how they're kind of dumbing down Derry and Squirrelly Dan a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but Riley and Jonesy might be my favorite part of the show right now. I'm st- God. They're so weird. they're so great. <laughs> they're so great. And I'm in, I'm really <laughs> enjoying. I'm still really really enjoying it. So
1: good. It's it's not as brilliant to say like the good place, but it is just solid, well done sitcom comedy, which I really appreciate. Absolutely. All right. What have you been ingesting? Okay. I'm only going to share one. Uh, I've been still mostly been reading the TMNT series that I've been talking excuse me, that I've been talking about for like a month now. But I'm going to share ROM, Cold Fire Hot War, from also from IDW, because as I said, I've been on kind of an IDW comic mm-hmm. kick lately. ROM is kind of an interesting comic thing, and I was really excited to read this book just because of the history of the character. In the 80s, Hasbro made a deal with Marvel that they were going to release a toy and a comic book featuring the toy character at the same time. And it was going to be like this big cross promotional platform thing. And they got Bill Mantlo to write the book. Okay. Bill Mantlo was the creator of Rocket Raccoon for his most famous creation. He also created Cloak and Dagger. He did a very famous Hulk run. He was a huge writer in the 70s and 80s for Marvel. Did so much stuff. Did so much good stuff. The toy sold like dog shit, to be honest with you, for Rom. It was bad. I am looking at a picture (laughs) of the toys we're talking. It is a... Even on the standards of, like, 1979 when it first appeared, so, like, late 70s, early 80s toys, this was not a good toy. But the comic book was awesome it's been described as one of the greatest science fiction comics of all time he did a very smart thing of heavily integrating it with the Marvel Universe Uh, the Dire Wraiths which are the big enemies from ROM still pop up today the Space Knights are talked about regularly because he's ROM the Space Knight Uh, he teamed up with I am blanking so many names right now Uh, the guy that the, the, the character that Bruce Banner, like, shoved out of the way to get turned into... Rick Jones. Oh, okay. Rick Jones... being Rick, Having Rick Jones as your sidekick is about the most Marvel move you can make. <laughs> Rick Jones was there at the creation of the Hulk. He uh, helped form the Avengers. He hung out with Captain America when he first came out of the ice. He was literally merged with two different versions of Captain Marvel. Wow. He, he is... Have they done a? They haven't the,
0: done a universe,
1: Rick Jones, have they? An MCU? They have not. Rick Jones, people don't know what to do with because he's not a superhero. He's just a dude. He's just he's just a guy that hangs out with all the superheroes. Uh, I mean, it, it's not even just like man. It's hard to do sidekicks. It's it's hard to do sidekicks that is literally just oh hey Rick what you doing here? It's like and, I mean, it's like if.
0: Stu, from What We Do in the Shadows, just
1: lived in Avengers Tower,
0: is what you're telling yeah, me.
1: exactly. <laughs> Which is amazing. Why is this not a thing? I would watch an entire <laughs> Disney Plus series about Stu living in Avengers Towers. Like, that is... God, get... J- Get Disney on the phone and give us all the money for this plan.
0: Or, uh, fuck, what was the name of
1: Thor's roommate from the shorts that they did in between the movies? Did you see those? I don't remember, but, uh yeah, that same thing. Like, let's just have a normal guy that interacts with superheroes can be a lot of fun when done right. It was a little weird how it was done in the 60s and 70s. Because they're like, come on, kid. <laughs> but, oh, Frank Miller was the artist of the first ROM, like, cover. oh I mean, it's early Frank Miller. It looks nothing like what we think of as, you know, Frank Miller's work today. Right. But uh, Sal Busema, who did some of the greatest Avenger works of all time, and a bunch of Defenders work, was the original artist. ROM was big. It ran for 10 years. The toy sold something like 100,000 total. Like, toy bad, comic good. Eventually, though, after it was canceled, Marvel lost the licensing rights. And because it was co owned by Marvel and Hasbro. And they have not been able to publish Rom ever since. But they have been trying to find ways to like sneak Rom in. They've had other Space Knights come in. They'll have pictures of him in the background, but with like no reference to like who it is. Like he's become like the Easter egg to include in other stuff because they don't have the. They're not allowed to use him. But. In somewhere around 2015, IDW Comics got the rights to all of Hasbro's toy lines. So they were doing, I think they already had G.I. Joe, but they got the Micronauts, they got ROM, they got all these stuff. And they started publishing ROM comics again. So I picked this up finally. I've been wanting to read it since it came out. Just because I know I can't read classic ROM, but I still wanted to enjoy some ROM. ROM.
0: You want to go om-nom-nom on that ROM.
1: I I wanted to om some ROM. Uh, And it was good. It is actually a very good book. It is unfortunately being compared to what has been described as one of the greatest science fiction comics of all time. That is unfair. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that is just unfair. Um, And I know enough about ROM that I could see the changes they had to make in... In uh, the original, he's a Galadorian space knight. In this one, he's a knight of the Soul Star Order. The The dire wraiths have been changed into a way that I think is less interesting. Um, it's still good, and it's the design is updated, and it's very beautiful. But, you know, it's not one of the greatest science fiction comic book stories of all time. Right. Again, unfair to hold it to that standard. I do want to say... They, they show the other knights of the Soul Star Order, which are just, you know, space knights, mm-hmm. in the background. And there's one that they never tell the story of, and I desperately need to know. Because from what I can tell, it's just a bear, a bear wearing a domino mask. <laughs> I'm like, why is this yes. entire book not based off of this bear knight of the Soul Star Order? That sounds so amazing. Why isn't my entire life based off of that? Right... I don't know, they don't even ever give his name. The only time they ever reference him, other than like him appearing in group photos, is Rom is in training and like a flashback, and he's like, I can't believe I'm listening to the orders of a bear in a domino mask. I'm like, tell me everything. <laughs> and no, they just skip to Over Your Romance. It's like, oh, okay. I like the book. It does do a really good job of including characters of color, of characters with disabilities one of the characters is suffering from hardcore ptsd mm. and it treats that in a very respectful way so i know i said this book isn't as good as i wanted it to be but i'm also acknowledging that this book is extremely good and it is as i said unfair of me to compare it to the, the the standards were so high that it didn't have a chance of being as good as i wanted it to be right nice well i'm glad
0: I'm I'm always iffy when I hear the name
1: Rom in general, just because I'm like they're doing Rom again. Uh not really. (sighs) (laughs) I'm still holding out hope. IDW has been doing some uh, kids books for Marvel when they're like, we want a like all ages kid friendly like you know target audience is closer to like five to ten years old instead of you know fifteen to old fucking guy Mm
0: -hmm.
1: me. Uh, they'll send those, like, Spider-Man books to IDW these days. So I'm just like, fucking come on, IDW. Set up some sort of deal so you can reprint classic ROM. You will make so much money from old farts like me, or older farts that I get annoyed at, who have been calling for this book since, you know, 1995.
0: Right. Yeah. Maybe it'll happen. Well, that's what I've been reading. uh, That's awesome, though. That's cool. Do we have any news today? We have one. Like we said before, we're doing this on an off day, so I'm not coming with a bunch of news. I was going to bring one news item that kind of turned into three, only because they all deal with the same television show. Uh, Okay. One that we talk about all the fucking time anyway.
1: First... We do have themes.
0: Yeah. Uh, First thing, uh, Hollywood Reporter... ...announced that Boba Fett will make a brief appearance in Mandalorian Season 2. I did see something about
1: that. This is the first time, and it'll depend on how it shows up, this could be the first time we see Boba Fett alive post-Return of the Jedi in Disney-era Star Wars. Right. Um, Even if it's just a flashback, though. Even if it's just a flashback,
0: uh, the report goes that he will be played by Tamira Morrison, uh, who is Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones.
1: I really like that idea, although I follow several uh, Mandalorian like costuming fan groups because Mandalorian armor looks fucking cool. Yeah, and what people do with it is just amazing. If you get the chance, check out the Mandalorian mercenaries. They're like the Five O first, but Mandalorian specific. And they were arguing that they should let Daniel Logan play it, the guy who played Oh the Kid Boba Kid Bo- in oh, Episode Two. That would be cool. What does he look like because these days? He's not terribly different. He has a full Boba Fett screen-accurate armor set already. Oh, shit. That's dope. He loves that he is Boba Fett. Oh, shit. No, I'm looking him up right now. That would be an amazing call. And the Mandalorian Mercenaries also love that he's Boba Fett. Uh, don't get me wrong. I am not unhappy with their decision to use uh, Tamara Morrison. The guy that they're using. Yeah. Thank you. I am so bad with names, and that will come up in this episode, uh, with real people names, not character names. Either one is a great choice. I would have loved to see Daniel Logan get to do it as an adult, because that just would have been kind of fun.
0: Yeah, uh, like I said, I just looked him up. That would be... uh, They can't go wrong, basically. Choose either. Choose both. Find ways to do it. I don't care. (laughs) Just give us options. That sort of rolled into another bit of Mandalorian news. Um, with reports that Katie Sackhoff will be reprising her role as Bo-Katan Cries coming up in this next season.
1: This will make the first time that someone has played their character in both live-action and animated versions, Mm -hmm. I think. And it does make me feel, once again, for the woman who voice act Ahsoka, and has cosplayed Ahsoka and does live action acting and doesn't get to do live action Ahsoka because Rosario Dawson's doing it. And again, I'm sure Rosario Dawson's gonna be great, but I just like, I can just imagine this woman going, hey! Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I am really excited for Katie Sackhoff to play Bo Katan. I really wanted to know what happened to Bo Katan because last time we saw the Darksaber before the final scene of Mandalorian. Bo-Katan had it, and she was uniting the Mandalorians to rise up against the Empire. And clearly, that does not go well. Right. Yeah, good point. But I still want to know, and she's played this character, this will be the third era she's played her in, because she played her in Clone Wars, and she played her in Rebels, which takes place within the five years before New Hope. And then she is going to play her in... The Mandalorian, which I assume it'll be some kind of flashback thing. I, but who fucking knows? Who that knows? is entirely assumption on my part.
0: Who knows? Um, I'm just a, I'm excited to get
1: more Starbuck. I've been watching a lot of Battlestar, so. Oh, you're right. You were telling me about that. Um, I'm also just excited. I'm glad that they didn't go too heavy into the other Mandalorians in the first season. Like We, we had the moments in the Enclave. We got to see that. We got to see the... Armour Smith or whatever her name is, who is fucking amazing, mm-hmm. but that I'm glad that most of the first season focused on the Mandalorian, and I'm glad at the same time in the next season we're getting to see more, and we get to find out whether Boba Fett actually counts as Mandalorian or not because that is up in the air, heavily debated in the uh, in the Disney canon,
0: um, and then to join those two. This actually crosses over into just yesterday, but like I said, it's all Mandalorian cast and news today. Timothy Oliphant is also
1: going to be in The Mandalorian Season 2. Do we know what he's going to be? No. Okay. I also don't know quite who Timothy Oliphant is. I saw this name and, you know, went back to work. So but a lot
0: of people lately would know him because he's the main character on Justified. Um, never seen it. but Before ooh. that... It was stuff like uh, he was Agent 47 in the 2007 Hitman. Uh, he was the bad guy, Thomas Gabriel, in Live Free or Die Hard. He was uh, one of the detectives back in Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, he played a character in Scream 2. A few other things. Um, catch okay, so and release.
1: Nothing I Give a Shit About, but he's been around forever. Uh, he did three episodes of The Office
0: as uh, Danny Cordray. Um, he was one of the main characters on Santa Clarita Diet on Netflix. He's good. I'm super cool. stoked Great. for this. I like some. I like some old fantastic.
1: Awesome. It's not in your news, but it th- relates to Mandalorian and relates to rumored casting. The guy that played, he was in the Mandalorian episode, and he was the. Um, The wannabe bounty hunter that was working with the Mando. Right, right. I don't remember that actor's name. I apologize, that actor. I'm sure you listened to our show, and I'm sure you're very offended right now. He is being rumored to play a version of Kirk in an upcoming Star Trek thing.
0: Oh, okay. And I
1: am not sure how I feel about that. Because he was the weakest part of that episode? And it wasn't necessarily his fault. He was just, he was playing a little bitch. Yeah. Yeah. And so I only know him as a little bitch, and I would love to... While Kirk is not my favorite Starfleet captain, he does have some gravitas to him that that kid might be able to do, but I've only seen him in that one thing where he definitely had no gravitas to him. So I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but I'll be curious to see what happens on that front.
0: Interesting. I hadn't heard that yet, and ooh, yeah. I'm right along with you. All I know him from is that one
1: role, and
0: uh, yeah, not his fault, but... He did
1: a he did a very good job at playing an unlikable little asshole. Yeah. So, like, I'll give him that. Yeah, that's
0: true. All right, that's all I got for news,
1: though. So, let's take a quick break. Yeah, yeah, let's take a quick break. <laughs> let's, let's take, let's a, quick take break. a quick break. Uh, uh, we'll take a quick break, and when we dive in, we'll talk about a really great comic company that most people have never heard of.
0: Yay. All right, so this is a weird one. We've talked about Marvel. We've talked about DC. Both of those companies are over twice as old as me. Mm -hmm. This is the first comic book company that we've talked about that was created within our lifetimes.
1: Yeah, this company is a year younger than me yeah and and arguably less if you look at it so i guess before we go into anything let's just talk about where valiant came from valiant comics was created by jim shooter in the year 1989 along with a lawyer guy named uh along with lawyer and businessman steven Masarski. Jim Shooter was editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics in the 80s, and he, even before then, had a relationship with DC Comics. He is, from what I understand, not the most likable man in the world, but he is someone who is very good at making comic books. His biggest claim to fame is he wrote the original Secret Wars, but we shouldn't hold that (laughs) against him. He actually made some good stuff, too. Sorry, secret. the original Secret Wars was dog shit. I should know. I own it. Yeah, no, it's, it's
0: really <laughs> it's real good at selling toys.
1: Yes, and we can talk about my issues with that on a different day. <laughs> I say right after talking about how good ROM was, which was also designed to sell toys. Valiant was created with the idea of uh, much more realism required for part of it. You couldn't just be like, it's magic. Like, if you're going to show science fiction tech, it had to have some basis in at least r- real theoretical physics instead of just making it up and being like, yep, alien technology. Uh, he created it based around a group of old characters called the Gold Key characters, specifically as their main, like, Superman character, Doc Solar, Man of the Atom, who is famous for looking like a Cyclops ripoff, like he has the Cyclops visor, but he predates Cyclops by a couple of decades. Hmm. Okay. Uh Turok Dinosaur Hunter. Yeah. And Magnus Robot Fighter, who is a man that wears red short shorts and punches robots. And it's not as good as that makes it sound like it should be. But the covers are just as good as you think they would be. The the covers is absolutely as good as that makes it sound like it should be. Uh and then he used these characters as like the core of the world, and created a bunch of stuff, a bunch of new characters around them. In 1994, they uh, Valiant was sold to Acclaim, the com or the video game company, which is where most of us would have heard of these because they made the Turok Dinosaur Hunter video games and another video game. Uh, uh, I'm blanking it. It's your favorite. We were already talking about him
0: <laughs> Oh yeah, th- I was about to say that. Um, the verse is where I get introduced into Valiant through Shadow Man. I I didn't actually realize that, um, Turok was based on a comic title, but I did know from the get-go that Shadow Man was, even though I did not know from the get-go that it was an all-new Shadow Man, uh, and not the one that had came before, and that was something I learned far later, but.
1: Yeah, uh, Turok, Dinosaur Hunter, actually traces back to the 50s, I think? Oh, sweet. Where it was just two Native Americans hanging out in an area fighting dinosaurs. like it, it. And then later on, unfortunately, Acclaim did not take very good care of, at that time, called Acclaim Comics instead of Valiant. And it folded in 2004, but I think by that point it hadn't been making comics for a couple of years.
0: Ooh, yeah, I can actually... I actually know what happened to Acclaim. Nothing good, but go ahead and tell us. Uh, so, <laughs> Acclaim first burst on the scene uh partially through the comics and you know that but on the video game side of things what they tended to more do was they were the publisher for a lot of titles that the asian branches didn't have distributors in north america for yet Mm. so they weren't really making a lot of titles uh, at least in the beginning, and then later on the titles that they did make weren't anything super special. Uh, but the other thing where they kept a lot of their money from video games coming in was they had some sport licenses, uh, the biggest one being WWF. Uh, they were the Ooh, ones that made yeah. the 1988 WrestleMania video game, the one like with like Hulk Hogan on the front like ripping off his shirt and shit. Uh, the super yeah, famous I don't even know wrestling, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> then, in the mid '90s, THQ AKI just started destroying with the uh, their WCW games: No Mercy, WCW, and WO Revenge, which are a couple of my favorite video games of all time. The mechanics on them are amazing the the gameplay is great it's kind of uh, a great little just rock paper scissors between punching kicking and grabbing your opponents and it's just so much replayability those blew up to the point where wwf is like fuck you acclaim we're going to thq and that's where we got wrestlemania 2000 that's a giant hit they start yeah it's another one i know i've heard of it uh, I mean, no, but that's like a giant hit to Acclaim as well. Like, oh, them, losing oh, the okay, w- them losing the WWF license suddenly means they don't really have the money to keep publishing the comics anymore. So they start losing that. And then they start floundering and putting their money behind really stupid decisions just to try to, like, make a splash and get, uh, like, a big name again. They, they had the BMX series... And then the last one of that series was BMX Triple X,
1: which. Oh, I remember when that came out. They were like, we're going to make BMX racy.
0: Yeah, so it had not, like, like in game nudity racy, like- and all sorts of things, which they were trying to make it, you know, word of mouth, uh, extreme for extreme sake. But, you know, if it gets the name recognition, then it could still result in a giant hit. That did not happen because retailers would not carry it
1: for the most part. Well, and it wasn't very good, and it wasn't very racy, so it it didn't... People were so worried about, like, oh man, you're going to be able to see tits, but one, tits on the PS2 were not that exciting, let's be honest. Right. Um, And then it wasn't as racy as they made it sound like it was going to be, and it wasn't a good enough game to make up for the fact.
0: And even some of the people involved with it were disowning it. Uh, Dave Mira was like... Nobody told me that this game was going to have nudity when I was doing shit for it. Fuck this game. Guys don't go buy it.
1: Oof. Oof. That is just unfortunate. Like that is Yeah, I don't I don't even have anything that is oh my god.
0: Uh, so I, I love
1: that it came out for the GameCube as well. Like this is the least GameCube title I can think of.
0: Yeah, so once they started floundering, they just started making a lot of really bad decisions. Um And that led to them having to resell off all their properties, including the the Valiant stuff, which I'm sure is what we're about to get to. And they filed Mm -hmm. for
1: Chapter 7 bankruptcy in
0: 2004,
1: I believe it was? Yep, it was in 2004, and they were bought by—I have these names—by Dinesh Shamdasani and Jason Kothari in 2005, but they didn't start launching again, like, making comics again until 2012, which— Surprised me. I thought they had died long before this, but I don't think the acclaim era was making a ton of comic books. Mm. As I said, like I don't think they were publishing a lot of books straight through to two thousand five. No, I don't. I don't believe but so. But that's when they, but that's when they just really threw in the towel. Uh, in two thousand twelve, they launched Valiant as it is today, which is technically Valiant Entertainment, I believe. Uh, I think you're right. And Valiant was very clever with it Because they were aware that they could not Maintain they, they couldn't compete with Marvel or DC They couldn't put out 52 books That was insane to hope for But they could afford to put out Four or five really good books And so they would hire Big name comic artists or Not Grant Two or three Morrison really pick. good
0: books And two others that are good <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, and you know they they couldn't hire Grant Morrison, but they could hire Justin Jordan or Joshua Dysart or uh, Clayton Crane, Jeff Parker, solid, good comic book creators. Jeff Lemire's done a bunch of work for them, mm-hmm. and they would go for a while, and then when the sales started flagging too much. They would end the book, and they would give them a chance to end it properly, not just like, whoop, you're canceled, and launch a new book. And so it wasn't like, we, we will always have an Archer and Armstrong book running, but it's, we'll have Archer and Armstrong running while it's making quality books. When you're done telling your story, or when the sales are done, or whatever, we'll finish it, we'll bring in Bloodshot for a while, or whoever.
0: And you'll actually get to finish it, and not just get left off like sometimes happens. Yeah. or have somebody and just you take can, over and try to reinvigorate it or
1: and we're also not just quitting at the same time like uh, Archer and Armstrong will continue to appear in like background stuff and they will you know they will come back so instead of we always have to have these characters in publication we have these staple of characters we have a few books running at all times and we're kind of cycling through them and because of this while I don't have any Valiant book that I'm like, this book was life-changing, I have never read a Valiant book, almost never read a Valiant book. We'll get to one team that I just fucking hate, but we'll get to that.
0: I was waiting for that. that. I, I know you don't like them.
1: <laughs> and even that was not a terrible comic book. I just, yeah. But... We, so I knew we wanted to talk about this seri- or this company for a while. I'm a big Valiant fan. I want more people to read Valiant because they're everything I like about comic books. And But I was like, well, how the fuck do we talk about them? Because I like having a, a basis.
0: Look, I'm glad we decided uh, to do it this way and root it in the web series uh, for two reasons. It gives us a structure to talk about Valiant, but also because after watching the web series, I'm glad we also have other things to fall back on because as much as i enjoyed it it can be very easily be summed up as uh bad (laughs) i was gonna say (laughs) fight steal fight fight run fight fight trick fight run run fight
1: yes so valiant originally announced this in like i want to say like 2015 it came out way later I have like 15 different tabs open. Uh, 2018, it was first announced. Didn't come out until to- 2020. Ninjack versus the Valiant Universe. And they uh, teamed up with Bat in the Sky Studios, I want to say it's called. Yeah, yep. Which is, they are best known for doing superhero battles, super fight battles, something battles. You know, the, the Venom versus... Darth Maul, Winter Soldier versus Nightwing. They did a Uh, fine job. It it is a fun B-movie. They do, like, shorts of, let's have this character do this fight. And they are really good at doing low-budget but still good-looking fight scenes. They did this as originally as a six-part web series, and then they released it as a full movie, which is how I watched it, when Bloodshot came out. As they're like, you like Bloodshot. Let's look at this. And it is... I mean, it's a web series, low budget. It is kind of a train wreck. But it's a lot of fun at the same time. I really enjoyed watching this, and it was a really good way of getting a rough idea of who these characters are without having any time for plot development or character or sophistication.
0: I was going to say, if you only have an hour and 20 minutes... To get introduced to the Valiant universe and make a choice on a like character that universe. you want to talk to, or like, not talk to, read about, then this is fine. It's maybe not the best introduction to Valiant, but maybe this podcast in conjunction with that might help.
1: <laughs> that would be a better. Um, I should say before we dive in, When Valiant relaunched, they had lost the gold key characters. So we don't have Doc Solar, we don't have Turok, we don't have Magnus Robot Fighter. They later basically recreated those characters, but not those characters. Like, they they made a character named Savage that is clearly Turok Dinosaur Hunter without being Turok Dinosaur Hunter. Um, I haven't read that one, so I don't know if it's any good. I heard good things about it, though, because... It did feel, as someone who had read Old School Valiant some, it did feel like something was missing with some of the characters they didn't have anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, not super important, we're going to talk about the other ones, but I thought I should mention it because I was like, these guys did Turok, and then we're not going to talk about Turok No,
0: we're not, which does make me (laughs) sad because I fucking love me some Turok, but...
1: You shot dinosaurs with arrows that exploded.
0: Dude, I shot him with way more than that. Do you know how many weapons
1: there were in Turok 2? Oh, dude, I went I'm assuming a lot. I didn't have an N64, so I mostly just watched my neighbor play. And went, this is bullshit?
0: Oh man, because I would not so I had
1: a bad neighbor.
0: I still I still remember the uh the god not the not the god mode cheat, the ultimate cheat that opened up all the other cheats. It was a beware oblivion is at hand.
1: Jesus. Oh, the weird cheat codes <clears throat> people used to come up with. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Valiant so we're introduced, I guess, first... Because we're going to kind of just go character through character here. We're introduced first to Ninjack, <laughs> who is...
0: One of the more unfortunately Valiant... named characters ever.
1: He is possibly the weakest of the Valiant characters in a lot of ways, but he's a lot more fun than he should be. Ninjack was originally created by Mark Moretti and Joe Caseda. Joe Caseda is... One of the head honchos at uh, Marvel for the past like 15 years now. He is, I believe, the chief creative officer, but I'm not 100% sure what his official position is right now. He uh, He's most famous for creating the Azrael Batman costume from the 90s.
0: Uh, he's currently but he... executive vice president and creative
1: director. Okay. But other than the Azbat costume, he has done a lot of really good work ninjack is colin king he is basically james bond if james bond dressed up like a sci-fi ninja and called himself ninjack which is a little on the nose it is uh he even works for mi6 he works for british intelligence i don't know really how to talk about ninjack other than the fact that He's James Bond if James Bond dressed like a ninja. Like, none of that should work, but it's fun. It's enjoyable. I've never read the Ninjack series itself, but anytime he crosses over, I'm always like, I'm prepped to hate this. Oh, this is kind of fun.
0: Yeah, from what I understand, he's... Ninjak's funny because it's... He's not even, like, the best ninja. It's that he's an above-average ninja that has access to, like really good technology and happens to also be super smart and a hacker himself. And so that's what usually ends up giving him the upper hand when he's up against somebody.
1: And in this show, he's weirdly bulletproof.
0: Yeah, and in in this show also, Michael Rowe is amazing as ninja.
1: <laughs> so Michael Rowe plays Ninjack in it. Michael Rowe is best known for being deadshot on arrow. I don't know literally anything else he's done. Um, I really enjoyed him. He he was aware that he was doing a really hammy, schlocky thing and just leaned into it, just decided to have fun with it. I
0: I don't know for sure. I don't know enough of his background or anything. I have a feeling he must do some amount of stunt work or martial arts himself, because any fight scenes that featured him heavily Especially him against uh, numerous masked uh, opponents, like in the first couple fights in this. They hold on his takes a long time, and he's doing a really fucking good job.
1: Yeah, I will say, as much as I make fun Mm. of this show, it does do very good fight scenes. The weirdest thing is, the part that looked the schlockiest is the guns? Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Like, they'll do B movie, clearly green screen, someone flying around in power armor, and you're like, cool. And then, like, someone fires guns, and you're like, something just doesn't look right. Partly, they're shooting him with fully automatics from, like, two feet away, and he's like, nope, I'm fine. Bulletproof armor. <laughs> yeah. Bulletproof ninja armor. Um,
0: I'm going to swing my sword like this.
1: <laughs> and we're good. One thing we did here is we decided to fan cast our who we would put as, like, if we could do a Valiant Universe, like, right. Valiant Cinematic Universe, who we would do. Because this is obviously so,
0: hampered by uh, not having money.
1: Yes, by budget. <laughs> and that's okay. I don't think every comic book series needs to do a giant cinematic universe, but this gave me something to do at work today. So it was still, like, a fun process. Uh, who do you have as your, your ninjack here? All right,
0: so my ninjack first... I, I came up with kind of three choices. Okay. I really kind of wanted to do maybe right by this kind of character in fiction. He doesn't have to be a white guy. He just has to work for British intelligence.
1: You know, I didn't do that, but I kind of wish I had. Uh, so
0: I tried to first off uh, think of Japanese actors that I wanted to see in this role. Uh, specifically Japanese, since he's supposed to be a master in the art of ninjutsu. Uh, there were a couple of Korean actors that I really like that I immediately was like, oh, I can see Hollywood wanting to just throw a Korean in there, but I'm not going to do that. But then I also kind of realized that both of the guys that I immediately thought of, maybe not the best fits for the role. It's more just that I really like them and want to see them do it, but they're both starting to get kind of close to 50.
1: Hmm. Uh, age was definitely a consideration here
0: but those two i threw out Tadanobu asano uh he was hogan in the thor movies
1: oh yeah oh that'd be fun
0: he's probably a little bit better known for working with takashi miike uh in a few of his horror and horror action movies and that's kind of where i first got to know him in ichi the killer uh the other person i threw out was uh Takuya, uh, Takuya Kimura, mostly because I also saw him work in a Takashi Miike movie, though not one of his horror ones. He recently played Manji in Takashi Miike's uh, adaptation of Blade of the Immortal. And oh, you were telling
1: me about that. You had good things to say about it.
0: Really, that. really good things to say about it. The other really cool thing that he has done that probably a lot more people would know is he's Howl. Like Howl's Moving Castle.
1: Howl? Oh, okay. Howell. Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh,
0: But then I was like, okay, if I was actually in this situation and had to, like, give in to studio pressure to make it a white guy and just follow the classic uh, fucking uh, Ninjak origins, uh, I'm throwing in Michael Fassbender.
1: That would be a great one. I did not think of him, and that's better than what I came up with. So, first of all, I should say, I think if we did do this magical somehow ma- mad money, I think Michael Rowe should be considered to do this with a real budget. Because as I said, I really enjoyed Michael Rowe in this super over-the-top what-the-hell.
0: I actually have that as one of my notes. There's two of these actors in this that I actually really liked them, and I would recast them. Michael Rowe's one of them. <laughs>
1: uh, but I went with Tom Hardy. Oh, Tom Hardy would be fun. He's a little bit thicker
0: than I would normally think of as Ninjak, but...
1: I was thinking of, like, earlier Tom Hardy before he got quite so buff. Okay. Uh, But, I mean, either way, and, you know, Tom Hardy is a very good character, or or very good actor for, like, here's this truly bizarre thing we need you to do, and he's like, I'm in.
0: Not only am I in, but I have a voice (laughs) for it.
1: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I had considered Daniel Craig because, as I said, he's basically James Bond, but Craig is not right for this role at all. You have to be comfortable with being goofier than I get the sense that Daniel Craig is willing to be, while Tom Hardy is very willing to be goofy.
0: I, don't, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard that uh, Craig gets a little goofy in Knives Out.
1: Oh, that's I really want to see Knives Out.
0: Uh, but since I haven't seen it, I can't confirm.
1: So uh-huh, Either way. So, in the story of this, Colin King gets, uh, Ninjak, his girlfriend gets killed, he finds out that his handler's family has been kidnapped, and he has to steal a book from MI6 for a rogue agent named Roku. She is, I, I don't know anything about this character, I had to look her up, she is the only one of the characters from this who was created... After Valiant came back out, so not back in the 90s, but she was created just a couple years ago. Okay. She was created by Matt Kent and Clayman, who have been doing a bunch of the Valiant stuff.
0: And not by She's, the Roku company?
1: He, yeah, I know. I tried to look her up, and it took me forever to, like, get the right combination on Google and not be like, do you mean Roku? <laughs> like, Roku comics or so like, these comic book movies are on Roku. I'm like, shut up. That's not helpful. Um, From what I can tell of her, she's basically if Medusa of the Inhumans and the Black Widow were combined into one character and turned evil.
0: Yeah, my first thought was because I had no idea who the fuck she was either. And I didn't know when they got the license to use Medusa. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It was really confusing at first. And then when they called her Roku, like I thought they were talking about somebody having a Roku the first time. Like, I was—I had no idea. But who's your
1: Roku? Hold on, I have to look up her name because I could not figure it out. And then I figured out who I want her to be.
0: Oh, she's played in this by Chantel Berry. We should say that before we start giving Thank away you. the role to somebody else.
1: I want Christina Hendricks to do it. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, most she was on Mad Men, which I haven't seen. I'm sure is great. And she is best known, at least to science fiction nerds as from the episode Our Mrs. Reynolds from Firefly mm-hmm. we know she can do an action scene she's very attractive she's already got the red hair and she can uh, flip between sweet and deadly really fast okay I like that I think I might like that more than mine I literally thought of it like was like oh crap I don't have someone Christina Hendricks um, who is yours uh, Tessa Thompson, Valkyrie. Yep. Oh, I don't dislike that. That's good. Um, I would possibly use her somewhere else, though. Why I was a, so the thing was, I was
0: originally considering her for Live Wire, and then I was like, no, I think I have a better Live Wire. But Tessa Thompson would be a really fun Roku.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could actually see that. I have. I've only seen Tessa Thompson and Thor Ragnarok, but I. We've seen her play cynical and downtrodden, so I think she could play the role pretty well. I was just thinking of redheads, because apparently people can't dye their hair, like this woman <laughs> clearly did.
0: <laughs> yeah, because that red isn't natural.
1: That is not... I mean, neither is stabbing people with your hair. Um, anyways, a Ninjak, forced to steal things for Roku... Breaks into MI6, has a good fight scene here, and they call together Unity. Unity, Unity. is interesting because uh, in the modern Valiant, Unity is the name of basically their Avengers. Okay. It's the, the Valiant super team. But in the old school Valiant, it was the name of their first big crossover, the Unity Saga. Mm. Which was timed, I've only ever been able to get my hands on the first volume out of like three volumes of The Collected it is big in the Valiant world and they're like alright so if it was the first time all these characters came together, if we're going to do a team book of the first time all these characters come together we should still call it Unity I've read the first couple volumes of it it's very good, I like the idea of Unity, it is not as official a team as the Avengers but you know Oh shit! This takes more than one of us. Let's pull us together. Mm-hmm. And they call in Unity, and various people come in. I believe the first one they fight is Lifewire, who is I. She's one of the ones I don't know much about because I. She comes from Harbinger, which is the series that I really fucking hate. <laughs> I don't even know why I hate Harbinger so much. It is unfair to them. Joshua Dysart did the first Harbinger book in the new ones, and it was—he's a good writer. He did fine. It just annoys me. They are shitty knockoff X-Men. Yeah. The the idea is this villain named Toyo Harada, and Toyo Harada, by the way, is amazing. I love Toyo Harada, and cannot stand the Harbingers. <laughs> uh, is the first of a group of. Totes Not Mutants, called the Psyots.
0: Yep, totally not
1: mutants. They're not... the. the uh, they all have telepathic or telekinetic powers that give them different abilities. For example, Livewire has lightning powers. I unfortunately don't know much about Livewire here, because, again, she's mostly from Harbinger, which I fucking hate. Anytime that I have seen her in other things, it's been... She's the good soldier character. I know she's got a really dedicated fan base. Her design is awesome. I love seeing a powerful black woman with awesome black dreads, like long, cool dreads, you know, black hair, allowed to be a powerful character and almost like the Wonder Woman character of Valiant. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't... I, I don't have a whole lot about her She, as I said, kind of plays the good soldier a lot Like, oh, we need We've got a super-powered f- person The first person they tend to call is Livewire Uh, do you have An actress for her, other than Possibly Tessa Thompson?
0: Uh, well, my first thought, I'll admit, is Complete stunt casting Halle Berry <laughs>
1: You know, my first thought was Zoe Saldana, but I'm like, there's no way I can make her do another sci-fi franchise. What
0: I settled on, funny that you say Zoe, is Zoe
1: Kravitz. With Zoe Saldana. Oh, ooh, I like that. That look might be the best I've seen. Um, I had trouble here because it turns out most characters that I or most movies that I watch are either superhero movies or star Wars. <laughs> and it turns out those are not great at powerful black women. So I originally went with Simone Missick, who was uh Misty Knight. Oh, in Luke Cage I and like that. Anathis and
0: stuff. How did I not even I think of a, her?
1: I liked it a lot. It didn't quite fit. Although I think she could kill it in the role.
0: I think she does also make a really boy, good
1: Roku to be honest. Ooh, that's, I almost like her better as Roku than I do as Livewire. Roku was a little more sassy. Mm -hmm. Livewire is not overly sassy, and uh, Simone Missick did a very good Misty Night in Reflection. Might be one of my favorite parts of the Netflix Defenders characters. Uh, But who I went with was Sonequa. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I do apologize. Sonequa Martin-Green. She plays... Burnham on Star Trek Discovery, the kind of lead character. Oh, okay. She is, I don't know if you've watched Discovery at all.
0: No, but I know who you're talking about from like screenshots and news
1: articles and stuff, so. Uh, She's very good, and I have seen screenshots of her from the new season where she has long dreads, and she looks the part. Like, Mm. change what uniform she's wearing and like buff her up a little bit, and that's Livewire right there. And she can do anger very well. And, like, kind of a quiet, cold anger, which I think is... We see a whole lot on Livewire here. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Cool. Um, I'm going to use this real quick to talk about another character that appears... That does not appear in this, but she's a related to the Harbingers, and she's another big, valiant character. And this one I really do like a lot, and it's Faith. Okay. Faith is a large like let's be honest she's fat it's not a bad thing they never fat shame her in it and it's (laughs) amazing it's body positivity comic book fan superhero fan who gains the ability to fly and she's the one that like wants to be a superhero while everyone else is being their shitty knockoff x-men no we just want to survive she's like guys we're superheroes this is great oh that's fun and she gets She gets her own series where she tries to go get a job at, like, the Daily Planet, but it turns out that it's a a shitty internet page that just does, like, listicles. Mm. But she's a large, capable woman that learns, or that can fly, and I think make force fields eventually. Like, it has something to do with what lets her fly. Okay. Who's just excited to be out there and be a superhero. And I fan-casted Rebel Wilson. Oh, that's fun. As another excitable, bubbly, large woman. Not going to dive super deep into Faith. I haven't read a ton. I've read the first storyline of her solo series. It was good. But she doesn't come up in this, so we're not going to dive too deep into it. She does look like Rebel Wilson, though. Yeah. Like, just imagine Rebel Wilson. Um, So, in the series, Ninjak is excitedly prepping for everything that's going on they send live wire to collect the other members of unity i don't remember the order that we meet them all um, do you remember who comes next
0: oh next is i next is i i oh shit i can't remember i think it goes eternal warrior then archer and armstrong then exo manowar uh, I think it goes... No,
1: because Bloodshot's in there do, somewhere. I
0: think Bloodshot's yeah, before any Bloodshot of them. Yeah, Bloodshot
1: and then Eternal Warrior. I think okay. Bloodshot's before any of them. I think I fucked that up, so... That's yeah. fine. Whatever. In this one, Bloodshot is played by Jason David Frank. He's the other person I would known. recast. Who is best known as the Green Ranger. Tommy! Um, Bloodshot, if you've seen the movie, which apparently no one has because it's done terribly is a super soldier. Nanites in his blood always brings him back to life, but he has lost all memory of who he is. He is just a killing machine who has now broken out and is trying to discover his tragic past. He's kind of like Punisher if Punisher would get back up because of Nanites in his blood. Yeah. Uh, He recently came out in a movie with Vin Diesel playing him. It did terribly, partly because Bloodshot is a really weird choice to introduce your universe with but people are like people like guns and vin diesel so there's um and, so bloodshot you know, and
0: another character coming up i honestly feel like would work almost better as video game characters almost
1: exclusively bloodshot would make a great video game you are a hundred percent correct there. and i
0: don't mean that like in a very in a disparaging way but i think the just the the character is a little bit better suited for that medium. And mm-hmm. it could be a lot and more sh- interesting and there's a lot more... I think you would feel for him a lot more because you would be controlling him.
1: And I should say, I'm being kind of mean to Bloodshot here. Their, Bloodshot has some really great stories, but I think he's a weird choice to intro because he is... He doesn't stand out as much as some of the other characters would have. As much as, like, you know, a a story about Exo Manowar, who we'll get to in a moment, would have popped out a lot more than here's Bloodshot, which, as we've described on this podcast before, yet another Vin Diesel action flick. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean it's bad. It means that it's going to get lost in the... in the the sheer amount. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you have John Wick, it's hard to justify this is going to be our standout character. Absolutely. Um, J- Jason David Frank plays him as, like, a tiny, aggressive little, like, Rottweiler, like, trying to wildly attack your shins. <laughs> <laughs> he was just, like, so weird and twitchy the whole time in this. It was fun, it was an enjoyable little thing, but he was just insane
0: He the whole time. He also looked like
1: bloodshot come to life though he did and he clearly was having the time of his life filming it so I'm not absolutely I'm not giving him I'm giving him crap but I'm not giving him crap at the same time he's also
0: Uh, buff as shit in this
1: yeah well I mean he's a MMA fighter to I don't know if he's any good but
0: right well I I don't think he's usually experience I don't think I mean I know he's usually in, in good shape for that but I don't think he's usually quite that big i think he put on some pounds for this but i I believe it uh who would you cast as bloodshot uh if i couldn't have jason david frank back (laughs) (laughs) um this one was tough it's a role that there are good bloodshot stories there are ways to bring gravitas to his story but i was going a little bit more just off the bloodshot artwork and who i could see in the role Uh, Because it's a great look. Mm -hmm. Some of the art has him really, really big. And if I was going for a little bit more of that look, I'd probably go kind of like Dave Batista. But I think what I eventually settled on, who I like for a little bit more all around, uh, would be Manu Bennett.
1: Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot.
0: Um, Manu Bennett, probably best known... uh, God, either as Crixus on Spartacus. Right? He was Crixus. Am I
1: remembering the names right? I I think so. I've never watched Spartacus, so I'll trust you. And most notably, for people who listen to our show, Deathstroke the Terminator on Arrow. Mm -hmm. I like that better than what I came up with, which was honestly, I don't think Vin Diesel's a bad choice for this character. I just think that this was a bad call of how to go in. I first met Bloodshot through an issue of Eternal Warrior. Okay. That was like a a background pilot before they launched the Bloodshot book. Or at least I think it was. It might have just been like, oh, here's this other book you should read. Um, And I really enjoyed it as that, and that made me want to know more about this character. So, more than anything else, I don't know if I would recast as opposed to just change how they introduced him Mm. more than anything else. Because Vin Diesel does good gun heavy buff guy action flicks and that's what bloodshot can do Mm -hmm. i like manu better though i think that's a better call (laughs) thank you thank you
0: that part was cool the the part in the show when he just has like the guy down on the ground and the grenade goes off next to them and just obliterates the guy and he grows his arm
1: back that was pretty fucking dope yeah as we said, Bat-in-the-Sun Productions does pretty good fight scenes on a really low budget. Like, it, it is really impressive on that
0: part. It's just... And his fight against uh, Michael Rowe might be the best in the entire
1: series. It, it, uh, my favorite is Archer and Armstrong, but we will get to that. Okay. Next, we have The Eternal Warrior, played in this version by John Hennigan. John Hennigan is apparently a formerly big WWE. He was really big in... I looked this up in, like, Luchador Wrestling for a while. Mm -hmm. He was terrible in this.
0: No, yeah, he was not great
1: at all. He was really bad. Uh, Eternal Uh, Warrior is the
0: other character that I would really like to see as a video game character, to be honest. Just, like, Mm -hmm. a super, like, RPG for that one. Your Eternal Warrior Uh, throughout the ages. But...
1: Oh, real quick, because I forgot to say it, Bloodshot was created by Kevin Van Hook, Don Perlin, and Bob Layton. Mm, okay. Uh, Eternal Warrior was created by Jim Shooter and Don Perlin. Eternal Warrior might be my favorite concept in uh, Valiant, which might be why I was holding this guy to a higher standard. But part of what threw me is when he, when we first see him in this, he's like, trudging through the snow because he's the eternal warrior and that's how he uh, wandering through the forest in winter throwing axes at trees, classic tough guy stuff but I live from live in a place where a lot of snow happens this man clearly had no idea how to walk through snow (laughs) and when you don't know how to do that, that's not a bad thing, but you can't look cool when you're like tripping over yourself trying to figure out how the hell to walk through snow It's harder than it sounds like it should be. And his costume looked the most like cosplay to me. Yep. Like, if it had been someone fan-made made this in their house, I would have been like, that's awesome. But compared to all the other costumes that they had in this, it looked cheap. Agreed. Eternal Warrior, the concept is, he is one of three characters that has been alive since the Sumerian times. Three brothers... He is Galad Anipada, uh, and then his uh, two other brothers are Armstrong, from Archer and Armstrong, who we'll get to, and Ivar Timewalker, who wasn't in this, but we'll talk about him real quick, too. They were three heroes of, Sumeri- of an ancient Sumerian city. I think it was like Uruk. Um, it is implied directly in one of them that they were the inspiration for the legend of Gilgamesh. Oh. Like, in the Valiant universe.
0: Okay. Yeah, 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 I could see that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. in the story, Galad dies, and Ivar, the oldest of the brothers, can't handle the idea of losing his brother. And they have access to weird alien technology. Yada yada yada. He brings him back to life using the technology, but something goes wrong. Ivar is thrown into the time stream, and Armstrong and Galad are both made immortal. Armstrong becomes a drunk. And uh, Galad becomes the Eternal Warrior. He ends up protecting an uh, ongoing thing called the Geomancer, who is the voice of the Earth. They have insane power, Earth-based powers, and their job is to save the planet. Just... That's it. He is the sworn warrior for the Geomancer. This ticks all of my boxes. The warrior that's been alive (laughs) since forever, ancient Sumeria stuff. I mean, if you look at my Audible, it's half science fiction and fantasy novels and half like, let's learn about the Sumerians or the Akkadians or the Assyrians. He And the fun thing about the Eternal Warrior is you can put you know, let's do a story about the Crusades or the Viking era or ancient Japan or literally anywhere and you can just stick the eternal warrior in there and have it work yeah he is a very grumpy character but is he was treated as like the wise man he didn't get a fight scene in this which was very strange to me especially since they cast a wrestler to play him. right and then they didn't let him do anything <coughs> um who would you have cast as your eternal warrior
0: uh well first i wanted to say that uh this was what set off the idea of fan casting this whole thing because you sent me a text saying Stephen Amell would make a great Eternal I Warrior. I stand
1: by that. He's yeah. one of my two choices.
0: Uh, and I agree with that. I think he would make a great one. Um, I really wanted to say Jason Momoa just because of my man crush on him.
1: That's who I went with. Uh,
0: but I ultimately narrowed it down for me. Uh, Ryan Hurst. Uh, who was? He is the oh god. Was he middle linebacker in Remember the Titans that ended up paralyzed?
1: Oh man, I'm looking him up now. He looks way different.
0: Hey, that'd yeah, because he was uh, in more recent years he was Opie in Sons of Anarchy.
1: Oh, okay, I could see and this and it's, looking and it's him like
0: now. Opie version. I'm looking at him and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I could see him as Eternal Warrior.
1: Um. You said his name, and again, I blinked it, because apparently I don't know names anymore. Uh, Drax the Destroyer. Oh, Batista. Batista is been in talks to play Eternal Warrior. Like, he's announced to play Eternal Warrior, but they don't have a director or anything yet uh, in a movie. And it's not who I would pick, because Eternal Warrior is a bit more of a philosopher, and I've never seen Batista. There's a subtlety that I haven't seen in Batista, Mm -hmm. but it could work it could work really well actually
0: yeah I still when you texted me Stephen Amell though I'm like yep I see it I see it all over it'd be so good
1: I really like the idea it would kind of depend on which version I was wanting to do Mm -hmm. I really either one would work and I think it's because every once in a while I think this guy kind of wanted to be Stephen Amell it kind of felt like it, right? But never quite pulled it off. As I said, this guy was the worst part of it, which was really unfortunate because I really wanted... I, I really wanted it. I'm like, come on, Eternal Warrior. This is the entire reason I'm watching. Oh, no. Ooh, I
0: kind of <laughs> thought there was one person that was worse. I was i was not sold. But Okay. We, I, we'll get there. We're not there yet. Okay.
1: Uh, they're like, Eternal Warrior, you need to fight him. And he's like, I won't fight him. We're brothers or something like that and they're like you gotta fight him and he's like oh, okay they assemble unity next up i believe we see exo manowar uh,
0: i think so he's in there somewhere we're gonna go with they kind of do them all real quick and it is
1: real fast so we're gonna go next with exo manowar who has one of the weaker designs i think like uh our depiction his or suit dep-
0: doesn't look great does it no like ever
1: in in comic out of comic, it's just it's okay, but his it's a cool suit that it doesn't look cool. But his idea is amazing. <laughs> oh
0: my god! Exo so Manowar. Exo War I've probably read the most of okay out of all of them. Even Shadow Man.
1: Give a brief summary of Exo War for us. Give us this gift, Tyler. Uh.
0: Exo Man- I mean, the the easy version is Exo Manowar is uh, Eric of Dacia, heir to the throne of the Visigoths from way back in the day, and he ends up getting abducted by aliens. The spider and aliens. His es- uh And during his escape attempt, uh, manages to gain control of this weapon that they were trying to get for themselves, and it's the Man- Exo Manowar armor. And by the time he makes his way back to Earth, uh, due to them having been moving at relativistic speeds all around the universe, uh, it's now in the future, which is actually our modern day.
1: Yeah, it is basically what if Thor was wearing the Iron Man costume? It's let's take a Visigoth. Let's take the barbarians that sacked Rome. I don't know if that was the Visigoth specifically, but that kind of thing and put him in the Iron Man armor and unleash them on the modern day. Uh, for the relaunch, they got Cary Nord to do the illustrations. Cary Nord is most famous for helping launch when Dark Horse got the Conan line. Like, this guy excels in doing sword and sorcery. And then they gave him Exo War. which needs to have a sword and sorcery feel. Uh, yes. Yes of War was created by Jim Shooter and Steve Englehart, and in this one, he was played by... Uh, Derek Thaler. Derek Thaler, who, when you and I were talking about it, we both kind of agreed, desperately wished he was Chris Hemsworth.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, a little bit. Um,
1: and I'll be honest. I will say, I just, so
0: this is really weird. The reason I have, like, I ended up reading so much Exo Manowar is cause it reminded me a lot of a Piers Anthony novel I really like. Oh.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh
0: Away Away from the Xanth series, he does a novel called Step. Uh where in the far future there's uh basically uh, an immersive reality game that spans entire galaxies that tries to recreate portions of old Earth's history. And the game computer sort of steers events in a certain way so that it kind of works out the same. And humanity in that future has become illiterate so they can't look up the history to like gain an advantage. So instead, these uh, rich assholes to try to game the system, use some time travel to grab uh, an actual step nomad to try to um, get a leg up on this future sci-fi game.
1: It makes me think of uh, Star Slayer, which was a comic Hmm. series from the 80s where a, I think Visigoth as well, might have been a Celt, is kidnapped into the future to become a space pirate. I mean, basically the same concept. Uh, And I just love this concept because it's oddly you see it in the romance genre a lot. Like, oh he was a Celt from uh, 2 AD. She's a
0: hard-working
1: businesswoman. (laughs) Right? But like (laughs) in this one you have this Visigoth like hardcore barbarian warrior. And I don't mean barbarian in a insulting term but just
0: no, he didn't speak Latin, though.
1: Yeah, this is yeah. He didn't speak Latin. This is not a what would have been considered cultured barbarian's a weird term in history, fans. But uh, th- th- this hardcore two thousand year old warrior, given the most powerful suit of armor on Earth or in space, and dropped in the modern day. And no one knows how to deal with him. And he's like, I'm going to do this. everyone's like, that's a really bad idea. Please don't do that. Like, <laughs> and he's like, I'm setting up my nation here. Because he like rescues a bunch of other Visigoths from the ship. And they all find themselves. And they're like, I'm going to set up here. And they're like, that's the middle of a sovereign nation. I'm like, you can't do that. And he's yeah, like, you, it's you our can't. ancestral home. <laughs> I'm a fight Rome. Just and they're like, a Rome's suit. gone. Please stop attacking Italy. <laughs> super fun
0: character uh, who's your Exo Man of War if I, we're recasting I just
1: this? went honest with it, I just went Chris Hemsworth because this guy so clearly wanted to be Chris Hemsworth I'm not 100% sold on the casting of this, I would much rather find someone actually from more of the area
0: but I feel like mm, Hemsworth mm-hmm. would have
1: a lot of fun with it and we know Hemsworth can kind of play the barbarian pretty well but it would be different enough yeah. for Thor because it'd be a uh, angrier role. Yeah. Manowar is pissy. Always. Uh,
0: my first pick, honestly, he's still my first pick, but he unfortunately passed from cancer a few years back. Uh, but the guy's name was Andy Whitfield and he played the lead of Spartacus in the first season of, uh, stars as Spartacus. Mm. Uh, but with him being, uh, not around, I went with Henry Cavill.
1: I could see Cavill doing it. This is another one I'd be willing to consider Jason Momoa for. Yeah. Um, because Momoa can do angry, and I've always wanted to give him more barbarian work because he deserves so much better than the Conan movie he was in. I really
0: like that movie. I really like that movie.
1: It's so bad. I mean, that doesn't mean it. you shouldn't like it. It's just... Jason Momoa was done dirty in that movie. Like...
0: Uh, it feels a lot more sword and sorcery than any other Conan I've I ever gotten. I give though. you that. And that's what I'm looking for with my Conan. No, Conan.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh,
0: so, then we would have gotten the Drunk and the Boy scout. Yes!
1: Archer and Armstrong. I know I said the Eternal Warrior is probably my favorite concept. Archer and Armstrong is probably the best thing that's ever actually come out of Valiant. The, like, the concept of Eternal Warrior I like a little better the work that comes out of Archer and Armstrong is higher quality. Archer and Armstrong was... I'll
0: agree. I 100% agree. It's a crime that I haven't read more than I have. I
1: actually, when we decided to do this episode, was like, I'm going to read all my Archer and Armstrong to get ready. And it's not in my bookshelf, and I don't know where it is, and I'm still mad about it, like, two weeks later. Um, Archer and Armstrong was originally created by Barry Windsor Smith. It is considered one of the greatest buddy cop duos in comic book history the idea is that he is a drunken immortal uh armstrong and the other one archer is a naive young assassin in some versions in the original version he was a hari krishna which is Mm -hmm. really weird to read now uh, in this one, he was raised fundamentalist Christian to be like a fundamentalist Christian assassin who is sent to kill who he thinks is the devil, which is Armstrong, who wrote the Epic of Gilgamesh and has been alive since the Sumerian times <laughs> and just hangs out and is like working as a bouncer at a bar so he can get free drinks. In this version, Archer, uh, Obadiah Obi Archer, is played by Alex Meglai. And Kevin Porter plays Aram Anipada, aka Armstrong. Kevin Porter was probably my favorite part of this movie. I could
0: see that. I thought. Unfortunately, Alex Megley was my least favorite
1: part. His acting was terrible, but his fighting was good. Ah, uh, yeah,
0: his fighting was good. Uh, His fighting was good, mostly because they were obviously using a stunt double for him most of the time. Fair enough. Uh, They almost never show his face during his fight scenes, (laughs) and they had the most quick cuts of any of them.
1: Uh, Archer, despite being raised to be an assassin, is, like, very good and pure-hearted, and there's a really hilarious story where after he gets betrayed by Armstrong, he decides to become Dark Archer and become, like, evil or, like, anti-hero archer, and he grows a mullet and starts eating at fast food joints and threatening people. And, like, that's oh his version God. of evil, and everyone's just like, what is happening? And he's talking in a bad voice like this. And it's... That is... so fucking Archer. Um, and, like, Armstrong <laughs> finds him, he's like, Ar- Archer, what's going on there, buddy? Um... The fight scenes were good here. Archer is quick and nimble and has kind of a parkour fight. Armstrong is almost like Legend of the Drunken Boxer or if like the Drunken Boxer was huge. Like mm-hmm. Bo Raicho from Mortal Kombat. Uh, oh, that
0: Absolutely Bo Raicho ish
1: That kind of Jackie Chan, like, I'm falling and fighting and beating you at the same time. Uh, Armstrong is a philosopher. He's also really dumb. He's really dumb. Uh, he's really dumb. <laughs> but he's also... <laughs> and usually really drunk. And that's part of the thing. And he's much more capable than like he gives himself or anyone else credit for. And one of the fun things of Archer and Armstrong is he spends most of it just fucking around. But when you have the moments where he connects, it's very powerful. There's a bit where he's betrayed Archer right before Dark Archer happens. And Archer's calling him out on it, and he's like, "Kid, I really like you. Like, we're really close. But I've been alive for over four thousand years. You're gonna die by like best case scenario, a hundred. Mm-hmm. Like, people just look like dust to me. Like, he doesn't get close with much anyone, other than his brothers, who he has really complicated relationships with, because." One is a time traveler that cursed them to be immortal, and the other is an asshole who's been eternal alive forever. Warrior. He's an eternal warrior, <laughs> so he just has trouble connecting with people. So instead, he drinks and hits on women, and probably hits on men. I don't know. I've never seen it come up, but I could see it happening. Who who so were this is time?
0: the one I'm most interested to hear who you picked because I would say that there's a fifty fifty chance that we picked the same people.
1: I bet we didn't on archer or on armstrong we might have an archer but give me yours first
0: uh for archer i have tom holland yes
1: partly because he's the only innocent character i know because i do not watch many movies
0: uh and armstrong i picked david harbour
1: i did not pick him that's a good one. Ooh, that's a really good i like that i like that a lot who, who well who's your armstrong Okay, so I have two, but one comes with okay. a caveat on it. Okay. One is if it was animated, the only character or the only person I would accept is John Goodman.
0: I like that. Okay.
1: Like, John Goodman 20 years ago I really like that. would have been so. Because Armstrong is big. Not like he's just fat, but he is a large man. And he needs to be a large man. David Harbour could do it I could also see I didn't write this down But I'm going to put it down now Ron Perlman Uh,
0: He has the absolute Kind of gravitas That Armstrong needs to have
1: Uh, But who I went with Is kind of out there I went with Mark Addy Oh Mark Addy played um, He was the squire In A Knight's Tale I don't remember His name He's fucking Goddamn King Bobby B Yeah he was King Robert Baratheon. He... Bobby B! He's a big, stout, hairy man who, I mean, he's large, but he's not... As I said, he's not... Like, he, he's he got uh, a strength to him that I can still see. That I would see going very well. And he's a... I've seen him play a good combination of, like, drunk and funny and serious and a couple different roles. So it would be kind of like mixing Robert Baratheon and his character from A Night's Tale and making him an immortal. I really like it. Right?
0: And I'm also glad that you're not
1: mixing in his character from The Full Monty. I've not seen The Full Monty, so that makes it really easy.
0: (laughs) I just don't need him trying to strip, that's all Fair
1: enough Before we jump into other characters who were in this uh, As I said, Ivar Timewalker, the third brother Does not appear in this movie that we're talking about But I did want to mention him real fast He's basically Doctor Who Or the Doctor from it He, He just time travels I had two different possible fan castings from him One, Christopher Eccleston Who would hate me for saying this (laughs) but he's kind of the grumpy serious one and I could see him doing it and I just like Christopher Eccleston and then I went way out of left field Taika Waititi oh okay I want to see Taika Waititi play a weird time mostly I just want to see Taika Waititi play the doctor and this is how I would get it Hmm. Um, I like that okay the the Ivar Timewalker story that I'm most familiar with because he's uh, some valiant is a pain in the butt to track down is Armstrong gets lonely after Archer ditches him to go be Dark Archer, and he tries to hang out with his b- brother Ivar for a while, and they go time-traveling. And Ivar, who has lost his ability to really, like, interact with people, takes him drinking throughout time and takes him through... There's a a very famous story of a brewery breaks in Germany in, like, the 1500s. Like, something goes wrong, and thousands of gallons of beer go rushing down this street and people drown this is a real thing that happens people drown people died Mm -hmm. and Ivar takes him there because he thought it would be fun for these immortals that love beer to go drinking in this and Armstrong gets really pissed because the like town guard they had basically kidnapped to be their drinking buddy drowns and Ivar's like yeah people died and Armstrong's like yes this guy we knew this guy so seeing, I, I think Taika could play a character that was, like, kind of goofy and would think of those things, but also be like, oh, man, oh, I have forgotten how to connect to humankind. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that quite well. It's I like that a lot. It's different than Ivar than we see in the comics, but I think it's okay. Anyways, in the show, they have their fight scenes. They have their fight scenes. He fights Exo Man Uh Eternal War. That was fun. Yep, it was a good fight. Eternal Warrior tries to talk to Ninjak, tries to get him to, like, come in. And Ninjak is being watched through nanites in his eyeball or something like that. So, like, Roku sees everything he's doing, so he can't admit to his friends that he's being blackmailed. But Bloodshot, who's all about nanites, is like, oh, shit, he's got nanites going on because he's, like, able to examine his blood or something from an earlier scene. And he's mm-hmm. like, we need to get a way where he can talk to someone who Roku can't see. I thought this was the most
0: clever bit in the entire thing. So he shoots him. This was super generic until this bit.
1: So he shoots him dead, and he, uh, like, Eternal Warrior looks over, and he's just like, what the fuck, man? And he goes, call Jack. And here is where we meet Jack Boniface, the Shadow Man. Yeah. Who, in this one, was created, or Shadow Man, was created by Jim Shooter and Steve Englehart. Uh, Steve Ditko, the creator of Spider-Man, did a lot of early work on Shadow Man, which is amazing. Um, and in this one, he was played by Damien Poitier, there's no way I'm going to pronounce that correct. Poitier? Oh, Poitier? Uh, Poitier. Poitier? Yeah, it it looks like one of those French ones that I'm going to mispronounce. I have never seen Shadow Man portrayed as a black man before, I don't think, but i Always want it from now on? Oh, wait. What's... In the original Uh, one, he was... I don't think he was black. He was... Oh, I guess he was in the most recent... He is. He's...
0: uh, I was going to say, I believe uh, original Jack Boniface is black, but I think he was portrayed a little bit more light-skinned.
1: It it kind of more just looked like he had a tan. That's fair. I'm looking at it now, and I... All of this takes place in New Orleans. And then
0: he's he's very much more definitely black once it came back. Mm -hmm. So I love Shadow Man. Shadow Man is what got me into Valiant in the first place. Jack Boniface is not my Shadow Man.
1: Yours is from the Acclaim era where Garth Ennis was writing it.
0: Right. Michael Leroy is my Shadow Man. And once again, and not even the Garth Ennis Michael Leroy, my Shadow Man is the video game Shadow Man that after I've whipped And read some Shadow Man I still kind of like the best
1: That's great That's an old N64 video game I remember Mm -hmm. looking at it Like at Blockbuster If I really want to show my age here Like going to Blockbuster as like a 10 or 12 year old And looking at video games I wanted to rent And playing Pokemon Stadium Uh, But I didn't have an Mm -hmm. N64 So I couldn't rent that one And I was always like He's carrying a skull and has round sunglasses He looks awesome Shadow Man is heavily linked, always, to voodoo. in In the original version, Jack Boniface was attacked by a vampire, and didn't, like, it didn't fully go. So he basically became, almost like a half vampire, or it was really unclear. Uh, But at night, this jazz saxophone player would, you know get his blood riled up and go fight people as Shadow Man. And it ends up he has connections to the dark side which is like the the undead world. Um, yeah. It is... The dark power. Yeah. It is... Uh, there have been more versions of Jack Boniface I think than any of these other characters. He's changed the most. I have never read a version of Shadow Man that I wasn't like well that's fucking cool. <laughs> um...
0: Honest, I the mask of shadows, especially in the old Jack Boniface, looks weird. I like, I prefer the new mask of shadows. Yeah, his early uh, from costume, is super on. goofy. It's super goofy. Um, I can't stand the Shadow Man logo one bit. Really? Which is part of the reason why I like the Michael Leroy version because he doesn't use
1: it. The Shadow Man logo is basically a square with like the outline of a person in it and like w- w- a shadow taking over It's a, it's a strange symbol. Look it up. I don't really have a good way to explain it over a non-visual medium. I kind of like it mostly because it's so unusual, it's so different than any other superhero thing I can see, but I, I guess I can see why it wouldn't be someone's cup of tea at the same time.
0: Uh, I agree. It does stand out. It's very um, original for the, uh, this sort of thing, but I just I don't know something about it just always looks clunky when it's placed on a uniform. yeah
1: for for good or bad, it is very original.
0: Michael Roy, my shadow man, uh, was a taxi driver who was trying to care for his family, mostly his his little brother. yeah mm-hmm. He had a passenger that was killed in a drive by. When he examined the body, there was a ton of money. So he used the money to try to pay for his brother a surgery that his brother needed. But the gang that the money was theirs tracked him down and killed him, or tried to. While he was dying, uh, a voodoo priestess named uh, Mamanetti, who is probably almost directly based off of Anyetta from the older series. I was going to say that's
1: just his maid in the original one.
0: Instead of. So. The Mask of Shadows, originally on like Jack Boniface, is on his face. She is kind of shitty about it, because it was all being written by Garth Ennis, and so it's all kind of grimdark. <laughs> yeah. And just grimy and shit. She kind of fucks him over, and she implants it into his chest so that she has control over him, as well as turning him into the Shadow Man. Oh, damn. I'm not... I. I didn't read much of the comics. Like I said, I, I'm a lot more familiar with the, the video game, which makes a couple slight changes. Um, and it's, it's never really implied in the game, at least, that it's a ton of control that she has over him. But it's more like she probably has the power to let him die if she wants to. Oh, shit. That being said, once he's Shadow Man, he can't die.
1: Yeah, he just crosses Uh, over to the dark side.
0: Right. Older Shadow Man was kind of just, like, super-powered, like, super-strength, could, like, glide and shit and had access to the dark power. From Michael Leroy on, he's Lord of Deadside. That's part of what being Shadow Man is. And so when he dies, he just goes
1: over to the other world, and he's still a badass over there. Mm Mm-hmm he's Um, a lot of fun his new design I think is one of the strongest in all of Valiant mm -hmm. I mean it's mostly black with kind of a white skull design on the face but it's just it's good it's very well made and you can vary it because in some versions there's been shadow men throughout history and so you can take this same basic design and change it up to fit whatever era you want extremely effectively
0: uh yeah, and like that—that that was one of the other things that I think I don't know if it originated with a Mike Leroy, but I know that that was a big part. Was that he's one in the sh- a series of voodoo warriors called Shadow Men, and, mm-hmm. and the game is just super dark and a lot of fun. He's going up against a demon, uh, the Demon Legion, the one referenced in the Bible. My name is Legion, for we are many who has uh, returned, like, six serial killers to the Earth that you have to track down and re-kill, and they're out there, like, corrupting and killing and shit to send souls to this giant engine that he's building in Deadside to wreak havoc and shit. And yeah. It's dark and fun.
1: Who who, anyway. who would be your actors here?
0: All right, so I cast uh, a Mike Leroy and a Jack Boniface. Okay. Uh, my Mike Leroy, who is my preference... Uh, would be Mustafa Shakir. Uh, he played Bushmaster in the second season of Luke Cage, and he was also uh, uh, Baron Samedi in uh, the
1: second season of American Gods. Mm, he'd be good. I mean, he's already played Baron Samedi. Like, he's set.
0: Yeah, he's right there. He's he's basically already <laughs> Shadow Man. <him in. laughs> uh however if i was casting a jack boniface i'd probably go with uh alan noel i think i said his first name right um i don't know him from much i think he's had a show going uh on hbo the last couple years that i'm not familiar with but i know him from uh the first purge uh that is the movie that came out a couple years ago and not the purge which is
1: the first movie in the purge franchise Oh, Yelan. That's why I'm not I'm trying to look him up here just to see what he looks like, but is All oh, right, I can see it. He's got the look. Mhm. Uh, he's also really good
0: at, he does some really good action scenes in the first purge. Um, I think he could do a fucking amazing job, at, especially at being the more modern version of Jack Boniface, so.
1: Mhm. Both my options are a little older, so it might be like them 10-15 years ago or it might just be age him up a little bit. Um, I have Jimon Hanso. No way, I, oh, I that love correct. him. Um, I
0: think it's Jaimon,
1: but I'm- Jaimon Hanso, who played Korath the Pursuer in the Marvel comics, and he played the Wizard in Shazam. And uh, the other option I had was Chiwetel Ejiofor, who oh, okay. played yeah, yeah. Uh, Baron Mordo in Doctor Strange. I also considered Michael B. Jordan if I wanted to go with a slightly younger one. I like those. Yeah, I like those.
0: This? God, I love me some Shadow Man. This is going to make me download an emulator so I can go back through Shadow Man again because I never did finish the game.
1: Uh, <laughs> this basically sums up everyone that we have in this show. Uh, they've all get together. They all have a cool fight scene. It's If you have an hour and a half to kill, this is super worth watching. Uh just for fun, Nigel who is Ninjax handler, I would cast Martin Freeman. Oh, me too. He's perfect for it. It's just perfect.
0: I also wrote that down. I was like, "Oh, this is obviously Martin Freeman's role. They just couldn't afford him." <laughs> <laughs> uh I,
1: I it, we're, it's kind of an abrupt ending here. We just ran through a bunch of characters. We're getting kind of long in the tooth at this point here. Um
0: I mean, like I said, the the movie itself is fight, steal, fight, run, run, fight, fight run, fight, run, fight, run, fight with a trick thrown in there in the middle. So
1: so if you want to see the fights, it's pretty worth watching. If nothing else, Jack Boniface's scene is worth the rest of the time if you have a few hours to kill. Uh, I, well, and I was also
0: going to say, like, the, I just love like bloodshot not just knowing the nanites and like what their limitations are, but his little quip after he shoots, um, Ninjak or, or after, not after that, after their scene with Jack Boniface and they're like, how did you know that would
1: work? He's like, I'm a walking dead man. Of course I know Jack. Yeah. Um, I did like that a lot. I thought that was really interesting.
0: I really do. That's the, I thought that was the most interesting part in this. Oh, easily. I thought that was the, the most clever twist. Like, just send them to Deadside. net technology doesn't work over
1: there guys like <laughs> i really do recommend checking out the valiant books uh i in my recommendations i'll toss in a couple of like if you're interested try these ones um any last thoughts on valiant before we dive into our final our final moment
0: only that this has reminded me how much i have to read more archer and armstrong um And Exo Manowar. Yeah. And probably give Eternal Warrior more of a chance than I have.
1: Uh, I'll give you a good jumping on point for Eternal Warrior, if that's what interests you. Um, (laughs) uh, Before I do mine, do you have any recommendations this week?
0: I do, and this has been the other just huge thing that I've been ingesting for the past week and a half. I got turned on to uh, this band, Igor. Uh, that's I-G-O-R-R-R. Okay. This is a hard one to explain. So, <laughs> Igor uh, is the stage name of a French musician, Gautier Serret. the The music itself just ticks all of my boxes. And I mean that in the fact that it is a combination of... Uh, black metal breakcore uh, trip hop uh, classical uh, older than classical actually that's a huge baroque influence there's a lot of use of harpsichord uh, chorale (laughs) and operatic elements uh, as well as a little bit of uh, Turkish and Eastern European folk
1: damn son
0: very often any any one of his songs will span at least three different genres being, being put together. I can't describe it in any good way other than just naming off all of those genres that he's sticking together. Uh, I will say that it does tend to be a little bit on the heavier side. Uh, he does have a couple other side projects that are a little bit more straight symphonic metal and stuff and that definitely shows through uh and the older igor albums make a lot more use of black metal elements but his latest one which is the one that i've really been cracking out on uh is a very even mix of everything i named off and probably a
1: couple others excellent mine i'm gonna give you three quick ones and they're if you enjoy valiant if this sounds interesting to you these are good jumping on points uh i am uh, exo manowar has some really good stuff i'm not going to jump into that because i don't know it as well i would actually recommend you start with Archer and armstrong specifically the fred van lente clayton henry run Uh, the first volume is called the michelangelo code it introduces all the characters it introduces all the concepts really strongly it is funny. I wore my first volume out. I read it so often. It is heartwarming. It's extremely good. And it will introduce you to characters like the Immortal Warrior, uh, the Geomancers, Ivar Timewalker, a bunch of stuff. Uh, you can also, if you want some of the darker sides of Valiant, there is Shadow Man. Specifically, Justin Jordan and Patrick Zurch- Patrick Zercher's run of the series it was introducing Shadow Man to this new Valiant universe it is again very good you will also meet Master Dark who you see at the very end of this who they don't explain at all I would have been very confused if I didn't know who he was he's a big voodoo villain that was
0: kind of I was like are they going to do another one of these why throw a giant Master Dark face at me
1: Uh, he kind of looks like Quan Chi from Mortal Kombat. He's kind of Quan Chi from Mortal Kombat, actually. Like, let's just be honest about it. He's kind of Quan Chi. (laughs) Um,
0: uh, As someone who plays a lot of Mortal Kombat, he's kind of Quan Chi. If
1: if you enjoy those, or if you want to jump in at Eternal Warrior, actually, I recommend Archer and Armstrong, because Volume 2 is called Wrath of the Eternal Warrior, and it's them being chased down by him because he's trying to kill mm. Archer if you want a big team book I don't know if this is the best like intro to it, but they did a book called The Valiant it was very on the nose, I know written by Matt Kint and Jeff Lemire with art by Paolo Riviera it is the most beautiful I think the art has ever gotten in Valiant, Paolo Riviera is so talented and he's so slow which is why he doesn't do monthly books he's so slow Um, which is a heavy bloodshot and eternal warrior book. And it leads to some really good, it leads to a bloodshot run that I haven't run read, but gets very good reviews. And it leads to a eternal warrior book that I have read that is very good that I can say is very good. Awesome. Um, those are my recommendations. I, as I said, very specifically wanted to do some Valiant ones because we're like, look at all these great things. And I figure I should give you some kind of intro.
0: Yeah. And I'm just like, yo, listen to this guy that's mixing black metal with Balkan music
1: and break That's awesome. I, I love that you're doing that. I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> I'm going to have to find a band to recommend next week just because you've done that like four times and I don't think I've done it once yet. <laughs> uh... Don't worry. I got stuff. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, fine. But if you want to hear more of our stuff, see my lead in there? I like that. Ooh. I'm very good. Yeah. We are so I subtle like about that. our leads. If you would like our stuff, you should check out or all of our other stuff at the Earvern Productions. That's right. Uh, You can head over to the different
0: websites. You can go to ours for all of our back catalog at uh, generalnerdcast.com. While you're there, you can contact us through the website or by emailing us generalnerderypod at gmail.com. Up at the top, or if you just want to head over uh, up at the top, you can go through the links. We are part of the Earworm Podcast Network uh through that you'll see the other shows i'll talk about horror movies because it's obvious i like some of that grimdark shit after <laughs> how i went off about michael <laughs> Leroy uh, uh over on fried squirms god it's and you love you some eternal Warrior, and you're over there talking about war and war gaming on
1: art of war gaming yeah if we're talking about what we like on valiant we're kind of showing what we like in the rest of the world <laughs>
0: um and those are fun go check those out that's earverm.com e-a-r-v-v-y-r-m.com uh please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now if you can rate and review that's super helpful because the world is ran on algorithms
1: the more that we get interaction the more that you will find us the more that more people will, or find the us. more
0: more other people will find us. Hopefully, you're finding us already if you're listening. I mean, if you've us. listened,
1: you found us at least once. Find us again. Um, you can also you can also
0: find us over on the social medias. Search for General Nerdery.
1: We're what comes up. Yeah. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this. Can tune in again next week for our next listicle episode. I'm calling them that kind of meanly, but also I really enjoy doing these. Where we're going to be discussing the major Batman villains. <laughs>
0: Oh fuck! We are doing two listicle episodes in a row, well, basically. Yeah, aren't we? whatever.
1: We're we're very talented. We're just fitting a bunch of stuff in at one time. Um, you can find us every Monday doing that. So, uh, listen. I guess I'm losing track of this. That's okay.
0: In That's a, hey, We've we've been going for a bit now. We talked a lot of Valiant.
1: Now it's I'm gonna go read happens, a lot man. of Valiant.
0: I'm going to go play a video game that I will
1: name on Monday. Excellent. In the meantime, (laughs) we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. dismissed. Dismissed.